0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 17 of Apply Filters, the podcast all about WordPress development. I'm your host, Pippin Williamson. Joining me, as usual, is my co-host, Brad Tenar. Hey, everybody. And with us today, we have a special guest, Jared Atchison. How'd you guys. All right. Uh, so today, we've got a few things that we're going to talk about, uh, and we'll jump in. Primarily, we're going to let Jared tell us all about himself. First, we want to give a nice shout-out to... Uh, the WP Ninjas and their new product that they're working on launching called DemoWP. It is a system or it is a plugin that allows you to easily set up a demo environment for your plugins or your themes where potential customers can log in and log into the admin and view all of the features of your theme or your plugin in a real environment. And so it's DemoWP.pro. Go check it out. They're going to be launching here within a couple of days. Sign up for the newsletter and keep an eye on it. I played with it today it's really slick.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. And we have to check if ever, that out.
0: Yeah, it, if, if you ever sold a plugin or if you've ever sold a theme, it's, I mean, we get requests for this all the time um, where people just want, like, hey, can I have a demo of the plugin? Do you have a, a live demo I can log into? And setting that kind of environment up is really challenging uh, for a variety of reasons. One, because you have to think about, well, how do I reset my database every couple of days so that people don't just see tons of junk data? And that's yeah. what this takes care of, which is pretty cool.
1: Right. So it, it sets up, like, separate, like, private um, kind of environments for, for each user, right?
0: Right. So uh, I haven't seen behind the scenes entirely how it works. But what I've heard from them is that it, you install it on a multi-site setup. And each time that a user requests a demo... Uh, basically they fill out a form and it generates a demo for them is it actually creates a new site within the multi-site based off of an existing setup. So basically it clones a site for them. And then they can log into that as an admin of that site with some special privileges and go do anything they want.
1: Okay. And then that
0: sandbox site gets automatically wiped out after a certain period of time.
1: Okay. That's nice because it's definitely a different take than what I guess we've normally seen for demos.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure.
1: Well, I've, I've seen sandboxes before, but it's like a kind of catch-all where, like, everyone ends up in the same sandbox and it's, like, right, just an right. mess, right?
0: And that's how I've always done my demos, uh, maybe because I'm lazy, but... And it kind of works. It, it usually works for, like, the first week, and then go, test users go and, and muck around with the data enough that it just becomes not very good anymore. Yeah. But so this one I will actually give you... give every single user a unique sandbox... From the standard starting point,
1: right. That's awesome. That's pretty cool. I I've set these uh, something like that up before, but it was just on a cron, so it would just blow stuff away. So like a user could be like in the middle of doing something, and then all of a sudden <laughs> their data would be wiped out. That's awesome. <laughs> so not my assumption. call it a feature, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> cool. Yeah. So that's demowp.pro.
0: Go check it out. Awesome. All right, Jared. You want to tell us a little bit about yourself?
2: Do the, do the intro spiel? Yeah. Yeah. So who are you? Uh, yeah, I'm a independent WordPress developer. I've been working in some capacity with WordPress for probably about the past oh seven years or so. I guess past five years has been when I've really gotten into the you know nitty gritty under the under the hood development type of stuff. So yeah, I'm just a developer. Um, I do. Theme work, plugin work, work with BB Press when I can. Um, I started doing membership sites recently, I guess, and just kind of, you know, I don't want to you... say jack of all trades because I don't really like that connotation, but
1: just kind of all things WordPress right now. So, cool. What are you using yeah. for for the membership sites?
2: So for the membership sites, I started doing them about oh six months ago, and and the reason is is I've been trying to find kind of a a niche to focus on. Originally, about a year and a half ago, I tried getting into BB Press, which I actually absolutely loved working with. However, the demand for BB Press isn't really that high, so then I decided to take a stab at membership sites. I follow uh, Chris Lemon and I, I know that, you know, he, he kind of predicts that membership sites are up and coming, so I figured that was something for me to take a stab at. So when I first got into them, probably about six to eight months ago, I tried a variety of different plugins. Um, Of course, Pippin's Restrict Content Pro, Premise, um, S2, and so I've kind of tried a variety of them, and the one that I had settled on, which I've been using recently, was MemberMouse. And the thing I did find out is they all have their their pros and cons, right? So before I decide on one, I kind of talk to the client and figure out their needs and make sure that we're gonna put them on the right platform for uh, what they need. So, but recently it's been MemberMouse. However, with that said, um, I've been dying to take a look at the new iThemes exchange. Um, the, the stuff they've added recently has just sounded. It's really slick. Yeah, I mean the whole idea of having the membership site uh, the platform and then of course, you know, this there is the degree of e-commerce in there if needed, which sounds really good because I've gotten that request before in membership sites and of course, you know, the team, Corey and, and the crew at iThemes are just, you know, absolutely amazing people and uh, I'm, I'm, I haven't looked at the, under the hood of the code yet, but I'm, I'm sure it's great and extendable, which um, that's that's kind of one of the downsides of MemberMouse, I guess, is um, they're, they're not WordPress folks, they're kind of like enterprise coders, which, um, has its pros and cons, but one of the cons is uh, a lot of the things they do kind of isn't the WordPress way. So when I need to extend stuff, it just takes a little bit more time to get familiar with yeah, their system. They,
0: they don't have nearly as many hooks or filters in there. I, exactly. Actually. I actually so, spent a while on the phone with um, Eric. Eric from MemberMouse recently because I was doing an integration with uh, my Affiliate WP plugin. I wanted to, to really easily track referrals on new membership signups and things like that, and it took me a while to figure it out because I didn't have those standard hooks and filters, but it turns out that there was a way to do it. Yeah. nice thing about Eric and MemberMouse is that he's super friendly, and he's he, super he me, too. like, anytime if you have a filter and action you need, just tell me. Uh, they're not necessarily things that we intuitively add, but if there's ever a, a clear reason to have one, I'm more than happy to add it.
2: Yeah, and that's kind of why I went, uh, in the past I've been using MemberMouse, is so I originally started out using Premise, which I won't really go into that, but I didn't have great experiences with that at all. So after um, kind of getting burned on that and shifting to something else, then I, I just wanted like the, you know, I guess MemberMouse is kind of considered the Cadillac. They have the most, uh, even though it, um, they take away some of the extendability. They offer like kind of the most out of the box, I guess, by you know the the upsells and the downsells and all that type of stuff. It's so I've really been pushing. Sure. Yeah, I've really been pushing that recently. But um, I think on my next project, in, unless there's some feature that doesn't let me, I'm I'm really going to try out Exchange. I'm I'm really looking forward to that. So
1: have have either know. of you guys tried Memberful? Uh, the theme, theme Foundry guys, I think do that. No, one. I haven't. Um, I, Chris has talked about it a little bit, but I honestly haven't ever really used it. I haven't actually
0: played with the system yet. Uh, we are looking at at integrating with it for Affiliate WP. It's a little different, though. It's more of a SaaS. I think more SaaS, it's I think. It actually a hosted service, isn't it? Yeah, yeah I exactly. Think so. That was yeah. my understanding, anyways. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not entirely sure how it works in terms of uh, like providing that the membership content, mm. but it's definitely something. I mean, considering who's behind theme foundry it's obviously something that should be should be looked at because i mean yeah just they, the theme foundry being behind it is good enough for me to go take a look at it
1: yeah yeah i they, those guys just scream quality right like the stuff they yeah, do yeah they're, they're pretty awesome that's that's the thing i mean i think right now that
2: people who need a membership site they're probably in the best position that they've been in, you know, ever, right? I mean, there's some really solid uh, platforms out there now, depending on your needs. I mean, Chris Chris has covered those in depth on his site and, you know, has even done this, some infographics that help you decide which one, you know, is potentially the best for your needs or whatever. But if you look at the state of those platforms now versus, the, like, three years ago, right, all you had was Wishlist, S2, and a couple other things, you were basically screwed. At least now you have some alternatives that, you know... Are fairly robust, robust. Oh, yeah.
0: So, well, yeah. Uh, three years ago is right about when I started building RCP, uh, and it, that's why I built it, because I was... because I wanted to run a membership site. Um, yeah, and, and you knew better to use what else was out there. <laughs> yeah, and it also I also worked for a company that, that was running a big membership site, and they were running on A-member at the time, and we really wanted to get them off of A-member. And... Mm-hmm. They're, now they're, they're still running RCP and it's working great for them. Um, I do really like that now there are a lot of options when it comes to memberships, uh, because there is no one-size-fits-all. Uh, and honestly, I think that's part of the problem that we used to have with membership systems is that the, the systems that were available were trying to be one-size-fits-all. Uh, and from a developer standpoint, I really don't like that mentality. Um, I have no problem telling somebody that, hey, RCP is not for you, or member mouse is not for you, or this is the one that you should be using, because that's that's always gonna create a better experience for the oh, user yeah. and the customers.
2: Well, we know it happens when you both on the kitchen sink, right? We were just talking about that yesterday uh, on some plugin I won't mention.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, so. Oh, I know the one. Because <laughs> it, it doesn't take much to figure it out. <laughs> Uh, yeah. I really uh, I haven't looked
0: at the the membership portion of iThemes Exchange, but I've I've played with the code base of the base plugin and it's it's really nice.
2: Yeah, I think they kind of are taking to the model of what you said, right? Instead of um, trying to do the kitchen sink, they're just picking out selective features that, you know, kind of the 80/20 rule and just doing them well. So, yeah,
0: they are doing them really well. I I'm, I'm not going to lie, some of their some of their features with the membership stuff makes me jealous. Cuz <laughs> so I'm like, man, I <laughs> I would like to do that, and I'm like, eh, you know what, there's not enough time, but that's okay. Cool.
1: So, Jared, do you do, do you release plugins on the .org repo? Have you, do you have any I
2: sure do. Um, it's not something I do as much as I would like to, because a lot of the, the cool stuff I write is really just um, made specifically for a project. Or a um, a client, so to go back and kind of like rework that code to make it generic, or you know, to make to work in uh, general use case. A lot of times, I just don't have time to do that. But I do have um, plugins on org. My uh, username is Jared Ash. Um, well, let's see, I'm looking at them. Uh, a lot of them are actually BBPress plugins because uh, from all the BBPress work I was doing about a year ago, and at the time, I had a couple clients that were using it fairly heavily. So I uh, did some BB press plugins but yeah so I, there, there's a few there
0: check out I still use all. your BB press new topic notifications every single day excellent
2: yeah see that uh, was actually four, four. a that was actually kind of an example of what we just talked about right like I put it up and it did just like exactly what I wanted to do and nothing else and then first people started requesting all these new features like oh we want to be able to segment this and like only put notifications if this happens and I'm like, no I'm not doing that like I just so, want to do this it's quite simple. Yeah, and then people started like doing one-star drive-bys, like, needs more features, you know, Like screw you, so. <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: I totally understand.
2: But yeah, so one of the actual new features that I've had pretty good, or new plugins, sorry, that I've had a good reception on is one called basic user avatars. And basically, it's a fork of 10-ups, or Jake Goldman's old simple uh, user avata- avatar, I think is what it was called. And I took the old version and basically added front-end and BBPress support into it because that was one of the the things that, uh, as a BBPress user, kind of annoyed me that there was no easy way for users to set an avatar on the forums. They had to either sign up for a Gravatar or um, you had to, like, give them back uh, WP admin access so they could use one of the existing plugins. And it just wasn't a good... Uh, user experience whatsoever so I took hey, the existing sweet. plugin forked it and now you can just manage your avatar from the BBPress profile screen so sweet. this is a new
0: one to me I had, I had no idea that you'd written this awesome Yep. it's actually something that I need to put on my support forms because we've got we've had users come and like I want to change my avatar well, yeah, and um, then you
2: tell them, like, we'll, well go to <laughs> Gravatar and sign up, you know, it's just, it's not worth it for me, so.
0: No, it's t- it's totally not worth it. And it's not worth it for the user either, unless they already use Gravatar.
2: Exactly. Well, yeah, try it, it out. I mean, if, if you have any problems, let me know. <laughs> yeah, well,
1: oh, do. I have a question for you, Piven. Um, Did you, um, you know that email that everyone, any plugin author should have gotten an email that said yes. you, sh- you should update the compatible yep. up to?
0: Yep. For WordPress
1: uh, 3.9? Yeah, yeah. Is that new or, or did I just not see it before?
2: So I thought that too. I don't recall ever, or at least not recently for a major release, getting that email until this
0: one. Mm. I think it's new because that was the first time I had seen it as well. Mm. It worked. I did it. <laughs>
1: it worked for me.
0: So uh, Honestly, I haven't done it yet, uh, but I've been meaning to. It, yeah. just, it just takes forever to go through 50 plugins and update them all.
1: I know. I always think of it when a new release comes out, and then I'm like, and then I immediately forget to do it or whatever. But I feel like the email just nudged me that little bit extra, (laughs) just enough, you know?
0: I liked it. I thought it was, whether you choose to do it or not, it's still that nice reminder that says, hey, by the way, you have these plugins that are either you should test them or at least update whether they're compatible or not. Yeah. No, I liked it. It It's good. Cool. Jared, have you ever done any. Um, contribution to WordPress core?
2: I have not uh, not directly. I mean, I don't have uh, props on any tickets. I've been involved in numerous tickets. Uh, one that talks about the metabox stuff. One that talks about bundling jQuery UI. I've done reported bugs that have gotten fixed and stuff, but I've never directly submitted a patch. Um, I don't. There's no real reason why. I guess I just. Um, when I have time to do stuff like that, I I'd rather contribute to BU press, Honestly, is what it kind of came sure. down to.
1: Right. So. Yeah. I I mean it's I, not I, it's not easy to contribute to core, really. Like <laughs> to get to get not, things not through. A, <laughs> I mean, it's, unless
0: you just happen to jump on a ticket that has a simple patch.
1: Yeah. 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 I mean, if I,
2: so my idea was, if I ever came across a problem that was, you know, something s- stupid that no one else had found yet. And you know, I, I could do a quick fix, I would definitely patch it and uh, you know, push that upstream or try to, but my thought was, you know, if I have free time to just sit around and, you know, kind of donate my time towards something. Um, I ended up just doing BB press. I mean, I haven't been really involved in probably the past six to twelve months actively just because I've been so busy with paid client work. But for a while there, you know, I was a core contributor and was help leading the dev chats and everything like that. And I mean, it's I always, in my talks, when going to WordCamp, when I was talking on BBPress, I encourage people. You know, look, it's not like don't contribute to WordPress core, but if you know you haven't started that, why not consider BBPress? The barrier to entry entry is a lot lower. Um, and mm-hmm. the, the developers there will work with you and, and help you with your patches and everything, which is something that um, WordPress core is getting better at. But there's still not, you know, there's still that kind of barrier to entry. So well, and of I course the code on. Entry. B- yeah, and then the, co- the code on BBPress is like pristine, right? I mean, so the, what better way
0: to learn to code than go through the code of BBPress? Mm. Oh, I, I couldn't agree more. BBPress is definitely where I started, too. I, I was contributing to BBPress Core for, I don't know, at least a year, a year and a half before I ever really started thinking about contributing to WordPress Core, and it was because of that barrier to entry. And I, I don't think it's necessarily because developers are more responsive, but there there's a couple things. You mentioned the code is pristine, uh, WordPress has a ton of legacy code. Oh, so yeah. if you get into some of those legacy parts, it can be difficult, either because it's difficult to interpret what's going on or because changing it is a backwards compatibility nightmare. Hmm. Uh, one of the nice things with Press for sure, is that because it was all rewritten from the ground up, like, what, Recently. a year, and a half, two years ago, yeah. it's, it's beautiful, uh, especially because Jtrip is... Um, crazy when it comes to like super how, about how clean that. this code's going to be. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's it's all pristine, for sure. And so it's definitely easier to get in to, to read it, to find where things are happening. Uh, and and overall, I'd say it's a little bit of a, I mean, it's a simpler system.
2: Well, you and know. part of it for me was... Um you know, when I would submit a patch, and, and this might have been just because, you know, there's not as much going on, right, so the, the noise is a lot lower, but when I first got started with BB Press, you know, I would submit a patch, and uh, Jacoby, John James Jacoby, the, I guess, kind of the guy who ma- uh, runs that in Buddy Press, you know, he's the kind of the gatekeeper for all that, and he would take my patch and be like, yeah, this like looks like a good start, and then would just commit a different patch that was like 90% rewritten, right? But the beauty of that was like, it let me compare what I submitted to like what he ended up with. Okay, well, this makes sense why he changed this. This makes sense. Versus, you don't really see that a lot on on WordPress core, at least not that I see. Most of the time, if they don't like your patch, they're just like, nope you know what i mean they don't really take the time to go through and say like okay well that's that's pretty good but here we're going to walk you through a few things and show you what you could have done differently and for me in bbpress that that's what i absolutely loved is i mean my
0: getting yeah, getting was, that immediate quality yeah, feedback
2: exactly yeah. and then and then my next patch was better and then my next patch was better and you know finally my last patch is like you know uh, Jacoby was like, "Yep, looks good to me going in," you know. But awesome. it's because yeah. I, I it's because, because right you worked with
1: me, I got to that level. So that's interesting. Absolutely. I th- I think so. Why do you think that is then? Like, why is WordPress, I think it's I think it's just uh, just the size of the project. Or
0: I think so. Not for sure, the size, the lack of noise. I mean, if if you look at the number of tickets in the BB Press track, yeah, uh, it's so much smaller. Uh, some of that is because. The project is—I mean—the project itself is much smaller. There's fewer people contributing to it. There's fewer people re- reporting bugs. It's a lot easier to manage tickets in the BV press track than it is in WordPress, simply because of size. Right. And and instead of having, say, ten people that are the leaders of the project, you have one or two. I yeah. guess it, technically, there's three or four that are. Yeah, I think more there's or less leads. More, more committers. Yeah, it, it's J Trip. Jennifer and um, uh, Daniel, I think, yeah. are the are the three. Uh, but in in general, you st- you still have m- you much more rapid feedback and, and just the ease of reviewing a ticket is, is a lot simpler. Exactly.
2: So that's why you know when when people are looking to get started, you know, if you want to go work with WordPress core, by all means, but. You know, if you're looking for more immediate feedback, then, yeah,
0: BBPress is definitely a good place to look. It's definitely a nice intro into, like, how how contributing to WordPress core works.
2: I, I think so, because you get used to track. I mean, uh... Jacoby runs, you know, the BB Press track very similar to Core, obviously just on a much smaller scale. So it's very easy and it's getting better now that uh Nathan has spent a lot of time like reworking the core track and everything, but it's very easy to just, you know, get overwhelmed with track, right? Like not know what the hell's going on. It's just all the tags mm-hmm. and everything like that. And uh BB Press, like you said, is such a smaller project that I think it is a good first step to, you know, kind of get familiar with how things work and then you know, six months of doing that and creating patches, well then it's the hop over to WordPress cores, you know, it's really nothing.
0: Yeah,
1: cool. definitely. Should we uh, Should we move on to maybe Pippin, do you wanna talk about what you've been up to these days? Yeah,
0: let's hear it. Sure, sure. Uh, so my recent thing that I've been working on, aside from my, my standard day-to-day work with, with easy digital downloads and some other stuff, is we finally got affiliate WP launched and out the door. Um, so that
1: was fun. We launched it. Uh, I can play, a I'd I'd play a, like a sound effect, but we don't. We don't have any sound effects. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we fail. It be it would have been like clapping and like a hooray, like a crowd applauding. So you can you can kind of uh, imagine. I'm,
0: now I'm sad and disappointed. <laughs> but we got that launched uh, just a little bit over a week ago, and we've had a really great response to it so far. Uh, it's been fun for me. Aside from, I always like launching a new a new plugin. Um, But it's been really fun for me because I've stepped back on this project and modified my role quite a bit. I've always been hands on with every aspect of a project that I've been working on. And so that means that I'm doing doing the development, I'm doing the support, I'm doing the site, I'm doing the marketing, um, et cetera. And and for this one, uh, I have Andrew Monroe, who's been a a long time uh, ED contributor. He's been working with me on it. And we agreed to to split our roles up. So I'm doing nothing but development. And he's doing all of the support and all of the site. And it's been really fun for the last week or so to be able to just focus on fixing bugs, making improvements, et cetera, as opposed to working with initial customer support, working, uh, getting the site up and going, and things like that. And I think it's allowed the project to move dramatically faster. And have the the end result be a lot better and a lot more polished, so that was fun. Uh, aside from Affiliate WP, I've been playing with uh, writing a Pebble app. So I, I bought a Pebble, the the smartwatch, a month or so ago, and I decided I wanted to try and write an app for it. And so I wanted to write an app that would allow me to quickly view like my current sales stats for a day from one of my sites. So That's I could cool. open the app and it would do a quick query to the API and say, you've made X number of dollars today, or something like that. And it's not finished, but I did get it mostly working in the dev environment, and that was really fun. I've never, aside from like 10 years ago, I haven't worked with C ever, so writing in C was new, uh, and then figuring out the SDK, and then, and honestly, like, seeing something happen on my watch that I just programmed was pretty freaking cool.
1: That's awesome, yeah. Sounds like fun,
0: right. and I'm mostly just did it for fun. Yeah,
1: I, uh, I did a C course in college. Um, oh, me too. Good God! Oh, I well, did C my, plus in college. Mine, well, mine was Unix based C, so it was like, like you, the projects were like, you know, build a server that would fire off like child processes and do other things and stuff. I, I, th- I found it really cool. I really enjoyed it, but uh, I could see. Like, so why did yours suck, Jared? <laughs> um, it was just, our
2: instructor was really hard. Actually, it was funny because, you know, I took this in college and um, I had to take a programming elective and my choices were like, it was something stupid. It was C, Pascal, or Fortran. And I'm like, well, let's see which one is actually <laughs> going to be, you know, even remotely useful to me. So I ended up taking C and uh, I, I actually liked the course itself because um, having it, had an having basic PHP knowledge already, uh, i made a ton of connections. I mean, I was leaps and bounds ahead of most of the people in the course who just had no idea what they were doing just because uh, functions were somewhat similar named and and whatnot, so I really liked it, but yeah, it was just, it was a tough course.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the professor makes such a difference, right? Like. Opinion. oh yeah
2: exactly and yeah. he was one of those professors that you know didn't really give a shit about everyone in his class being lazy and had no problem just failing everyone so
1: yeah isn't that uh, like just isn't that like the steve jobs thing isn't that like don't take courses take professors or something yeah 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 <laughs> like, yeah i think that's a pretty smart way to, to say it i wish i, I still I had can't... time to do stuff like that though yeah,
0: yeah. This the I... c++ class that i took in college was it was terrible. Oh, yeah. It was taught by a grad student that had no idea how to teach a programming class. And it was a little painful. Oh, that's but I managed to get through it without ever buying the textbook, which I was pretty happy with. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, typical student scheming right there.
0: Right, <laughs> I was like, you know what? I know programming. I'm going to see what I can do. I'm going to get through. I'm not going to buy this darn textbook. It cost me $150. Screw that. And... There was definitely times with like, man, I should just spot the damn textbook. Yeah, but hey, I made it through.
1: But actually, yeah, there was no textbook for my uh, my Unix C course because, like, there's man pages and stuff, right? Like yeah, all this. Sp- honestly, yeah,
0: I, th- I think the idea of a programming textbook is kind of stupid.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah, there's something wrong with the programming languages if it doesn't have. Just proper documentation, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, well, and like in my case, the uh, the course was pretty much reading from the textbook chapter by chapter, <laughs> right? Crazy. So that
2: I, I just thought about it. So that programming class was actually uh, the reason I got my very first Mac ever. I was a diehard PC person, uh, was really familiar with Windows XP, and was actually computer tech, so knew all that. And uh, yeah, so for the C stuff, to compile it and everything. You either had to, you know, have a Unix or Mac-based system, or had to put, you know, Putty or something similar on your PC, and then like SSH or Telnet into their servers, and like do all your programming there and try to compile it and everything. And so the auth for whatever reason was always screwing up, and I could never connect to their servers and everything. So I was like, screw it. I'm a student. You know, I get like a 15% off discount at the Apple Store. Went down there, got me a just the old-school white MacBooks. I think it was the first-generation Intel Core. Uh, do or whatever, and yeah, I started using that to compile my C, and then I just nice. I eventually ended up switching over completely, so I guess I have them, uh, the C class to thank for that.
0: There you go. There you go. Nice. So uh, what else are you been working on lately, Jared?
2: Um, Just a whole lot of uh, little things. I mean, right now I'm actually working on redoing the ShareCell blog, which I'm pretty excited about the, having that project. It's going to be... They've been great so far, so I've been doing that. That's a, it's a pretty high-profile project. Exactly. I'm, I've, that's what I'm counting on. It's going to look good in my portfolio. So right now, I'm actually building a custom a custom event calendar for them. Um, so that's kind of been my last few days, and it's been a real interesting process. So, cool. Does this I,
0: mean that you have to use ShareStell for your affiliate system? What's that? Does that mean you have to use ShareASL for your affiliate systems? Yeah, right. No. Yeah,
2: so... ShareCell is really what I've been working on the past week or two. Um, that's hopefully going to be done in the next week. And then right before I left for vacation last month, we launched the new uh, Leadpages site, which is uh, leadpages.net, and that was a pretty massive-sized project, so that, that took up quite a bit of time working on that. So,
0: When you work in these, are you usually working by yourself, or do you have yeah. other people that you work with?
2: No, usually just it's just me and the client and that's it or you know if there's a designer looped in but as far as developers I'm I'm typically the only person so
1: Right. Do you do the the front end coding as well?
2: I do. I do. Um so sometimes there'll be projects where there I just get so many templates and um like there's just a ton of work that I need to do on the back end. I'll actually contract out some of the front end stuff. Just so I can focus on the back end stuff, but that's very rare. Like I only do that for like really large projects where you know there's a lot to do f- for me on the back end. That's gonna keep me from doing the front end stuff. But typically, I just I just knock it all out myself. So, ah, oh, cool. That's
0: very cool. Nice. What about you, Brad? What have you been working
1: on? Well, uh, I had a microconf, which is a conference business conference. Uh, I guess it was last week, and I, I spent a couple of days like vacationing in Las Vegas awesome. just before the conference. Um, yeah, and it was awesome. It was so good. I love talking business, and uh, there's just a lot of passionate people there, and it was kind of a small conference. There's uh, about 300 people. Those are and, the best though, right? Oh, it was. I, I just My only regret is that I I kind of bounced around too much, I think. <laughs> I just wanted to talk to everyone, right? um but it was it ended up being you know it's it's one of those things like when i got home i had like so many things to do and catch up on uh um, mm-hmm. i was i was like well, that's the sign of a good conference because there was no time where i was working or like doing other things i was absorbing the conference you know so that's uh kind of like pressnomics is similar i think to that
0: yeah i was uh, i was behind for several weeks after pressnomics <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah.
1: Um but b- before Microconf, uh, I released uh, a little bit of code on GitHub uh for so I I wrote an article about filtering uh your logs. So like if you're developing and there you have a plugin installed that's like polluting your log, your error log with all these errors uh that you know it's it's a third party plugin so you can't really fix those errors, right? So, but you can filter them out of your error log. So, uh, I wrote an article about that. Uh, and, uh, the problem is that the solution I came up with in that article didn't work when you had X bug, X debug enabled. Um, so I released some code to, to kind of filter out an X debug log. So, that's like cool. really specific. <laughs> it's pretty wild, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but uh, just check out the article, I guess, <laughs> and you'll you'll see kind of why it's useful. Too long, wait to <laughs> Yeah, TLDR. Yeah, For sure.
0: That's yeah. uh, pretty cool. I was just taking a look at it, and uh, I mean, it's definitely an issue that I've run into before. But I honestly, I probably never would have thought to jump in and say, "Hey, let's take care of this." Instead, I'm the lazy developer that just says, ah, screw it." <laughs>
1: Yeah. Also, That's I've been. Cool. Uh, I wrote a. I wrote an article like, like a couple of weeks ago about it. The title was "Stop Commenting Just to Say You Did." <laughs> oh God, the comments on that were awesome. <laughs> and uh, it 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 went nuts on Hacker News. Like hit the front page and stuff. And and but the funny thing is with Hacker News is that it really doesn't do anything for you it brings a lot of traffic to your site, but like no one signs up for your email list that like, you know, know. it's usually the wrong kind of customer base or user base. Yeah. 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 So I I've gotten on like the front page of Hacker News like three times already this year somehow. Good for you. And just, well it's, it's, but that's it. That's, that's all it is. It's like vanity thing. It's like, can I make the front page of Hacker News? Like, because there's really no benefit besides. Right being able to say that you kid. did yeah which is it's kind of stupid right so I don't know if I'm going to submit my <laughs> articles anymore but I I'll try nice. I'm going to try resist but sometimes you just want to know right like is this going to resonate you know? I mean I thought it was an interesting article um
2: I was reading the comments and I was kind of siding in in the middle of it right so I don't know if y'all talked about the article last weekend or last week, but it was basically just, like, don't comment for the sake of comment, commenting. And uh, I don't know, personally, I guess I kind of end up kind of putting in pointless comments sometimes, but they're more of, like, placeholder comments that I'm supposed to go back and expand on later, and then a lot of times I just don't do it. But it was a good article.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I guess my my argument was there, was that it's, like, if you do that, then you end up, with like it's really hard to identify like the meaningful comments when there's like a lot of like stub comments right that was that was my point i was getting at but people kind of brought up the idea of like javadoc uh whatever those things are the the documentation generators like they need those stubs. yeah they have to have the doc block for every function even if like it's pointless just to be able to generate the yeah, that seems ridiculous to me. That seems like a problem with your doc generator more than that. Uh... <laughs> but anyways.
2: Yeah, have you ever seen a plugin that's like, click here to see your docs, and you click it, and then all it is is the auto-generated documentation from the docs? Yeah, and then I immediately hit the back button.
0: <laughs> yeah, is that not the most like stupidest thing? I mean, uh... well, I mean, in terms of developer documentation, it's pretty much worthless. Why don't you instead just link to GitHub and go to the code base? Yeah. Yeah. I mean it's pretty much the same thing except for oh wait, you don't have code in there. All you get to see is comments. Awesome. Yeah, <laughs> and the comments generally don't and, unless you're
2: like BB press, you know, and you just put all this crap in your comments that help you learn how to use a function and stuff. The doc box usually don't really tell you that much. You're going to end up going and looking
0: through everything anyway. So, yeah, no, they're they're silly. Mhm. Sometimes they're kind of cool just to see whether or not you have your your doc blocks written out well enough, but beyond that, yeah. I, I've never found one that I thought was useful for me as a developer not familiar with a platform. Yeah, yeah, same. And way. I mean, honestly, that's what developer documentation is supposed to be, is for people to become familiar with it.
1: Yeah. Hmm.
0: Well, well uh, we got a little bit of time left. Why don't we talk real quick about WordPress 3.9? So right. 3.9 dropped uh, a week and a half ago, something like that. And overall, I love 3.9, I think it's fantastic.
2: So you've updated all your sites and everything as far as you're concerned, or are you kind of holding off and only no, like- No, I've got, got everything
0: original? updated. Okay. The, uh, actually, no, there's one site I don't have updated, which is a client site. Uh, and the only reason we haven't updated them is because we have a very strict schedule on when we perform their updates, just because of the size of their site and, um, Availability of people if something goes wrong during the update mm-hmm. of any kind, right um, here's, we, here's we why can't, we can't just throw thousands of dollars down the drain if something goes
1: wrong Yeah, here's why I haven't updated uh, one of my sites um, Because I'm not confident that the plugins that I have installed have done Absolutely. Thorough enough testing yet and and I've worked out all the bugs and that's why are, I, I just don't have the trust I think <laughs> what are, I'm in the same boat
0: yeah, not necessarily what are the plugins, but what are the the issues that you expect so, those plugins to So I'm to
1: running. Have. So I guess the big thing is I'm running an e-commerce site, like this deliciousbrains.com. Right. So if anything breaks, I you know I lose money and I have a hard time paying my employees, and you know sure. it's it's a disaster. I mean, that's pretty much right? the same reason that
0: this client site we haven't updated them yet. Uh, we we have updated their staging site, and basically we're letting their staging site run for a week or two to make sure that everything is running
1: fine. And yeah. so far it's all good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I've updated my blog, and I mean, but that, that's not much, right? <laughs> like, most of it's static site anyway, right? So. Um, I do have to
0: say one, one really nice thing about uh, running an e-commerce system that you wrote is that you don't have to worry about whether your e-commerce system works on 3.9. Right. Because Egg. you already exactly. know if it does. Exactly, that's a very good point. <laughs> it, I guess it's a nice little position to be in, but uh, yeah, all of my sites are on three point nine, and I'm I'm really happy. I have not had any issues with anything. Um, I have seen some people or some pretty widespread issues when it comes to Tiny MCE. Yep, I've uh, had clients telling me about that already. It's yeah, Tiny MCE four uh, So there was a lot of plugins, uh, pr- primarily plugins that added buttons to the Tiny MCE <laughs> toolbar. Uh, some of those failed. With well, it's not even they
2: don't. It's not even they fail in the sense that like they don't show up, which would be acceptable because then they just reappear when the plugin fixes itself. It's <laughs> that uh, the cases I've seen with some of my clients, they just nuke the the WYSIWYG altogether. So they log oh, in, and it's just awful. like the WYSIWYG just doesn't load. Oh So boy. yeah, that to yeah me that's, that's, that's a lot more awkward. inconvenient than like oh you know the whatever. Oh, you don't have food the button, button, button. Doesn't work. Door. So right. Yeah, that wouldn't be as big
1: of a deal. Have you tracked down the reason for that? Like,
2: I haven't. Um, I do know one of the plugins was the ZipList zip list recipe plugin, I guess, and that was like a, a known thing documented on dot org. So I'm sure they'll push a release out for that if they haven't already. But mm. uh, yeah, it was just weird. Just it was nuking the editor entirely. So
0: uh, I would assume that's just because of the the difference between the previous version TinyMC and 4.0 oh, yeah. with how buttons are added. I mean, it's just causing a, a conflict. Hmm. Uh, that does bring up a, a point that I want to I want to make the, because I think it's really important. I had a conversation with a plugin developer last week. Uh, they had written a plugin and it broke with 3.9 due to TinyMC. Mm-hmm. And to put it this way, they were they were pretty much po'd at WordPress for breaking their plugin. And <laughs> That's I kind of wanted to say shut up and <laughs> just deal with it because so first of all, you write a plugin for a platform. So it is your responsibility as the developer of that plugin to make sure that you work with that platform. And I think that's something that most plugin developers in general understand, at least serious ones. You
2: yeah, um, know, the competent ones maybe. I mean, yeah, that, the,
0: that whole argument's a farce
2: to me. I mean, if you write, wrote something that was on jQuery 3 years ago and now the new version breaks, are you going to be like, "Well, jQuery's fault," you know? I mean, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but
0: but or, beyond or that, iOS
1: like, or something, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs>
0: But aside from that, I, th- I think it's really, really important that plugin developers understand that especially if they are running a business with their plugins, if you give plugins away for free and you don't want to test them with pre-releases, you know, that's fine. You've given away a free plugin. That's awesome. Uh, but if you run a business off of your plugins, either selling plugins or it's a service of some kind, F A. Test it pre-release. Oh, yeah. WordPress 3.9 was in beta for like, what, four weeks? Mm-hmm. And was very publicly, I mean, announced. Hey, RC1 is going out. RC2 is going out. Beta one, et cetera. We're all going. Where all of these announcements were made, there were there were a very clear blog posts. It was very public, and yet, here, as soon as 3.9 comes out, a whole bunch of plugin developers in, "Oh crap, my my stuff broke." Uh, well, you're running a business on this, and it's your responsibility to know that you should be testing this, and not to not do that is. Entirely negligent to you and your customers. Yeah, I mean, if you're a
2: premium plugin or you're you're taking money, then I think you, you definitely have that responsibility, and that's just that's just ridiculous if you don't. You know, if I was a user of that plugin, I'd be pretty pissed
0: off. Yeah, absolutely. And and if you if you choose to not test uh, the RC r- versions, whatever. But when you discover that something is broken, don't ever try and blame. WordPress core for it. Don't ever go ranting off that something broke because you didn't test a beta version. Yeah, um, I think it's, we started. We it's started the same mentality,
1: we it's the same testing, mentality for uh, e-commerce
0: sites that don't have staging areas.
1: Yeah. Oh god. So, Pippin, it must be like a massive undertaking for you guys because you have so many plugins, like at the add-ons for EDD. Yeah, what do Yeah. How do y'all deal with
2: so many add-ons and making sure that they comply with all the updates?
0: uh t- to be honest we we don't test them up every update uh what we do instead which i think actually works really well is when we have an add-on that is going into the review system uh before we ever publicize it to the store we basically make sure that it's not doing anything that's going to break i gotcha so if it's using uh if it's using an api that's not stable or it's using something that that we know is going to change we say don't use it um use reliable systems in, in general APIs in WordPress and and hopefully APIs in in your platforms in this case would be like EDD hopefully they're stable and they're they're there to stay and so the people should be able to rely on them and so as the project manager if we know that hey this API in EDD is not going to be here anymore or is changing we just we make sure that it gets deprecated early and that new extensions are not allowed to use it uh, and so, it's a lot of it is being um, cognizant of what future problems might happen, and so far, that's been awesome. And we've had very few extensions break due to WordPress core updates or ADD updates. That's good. That's good. Yeah. I think I think over the course of two years, we've had three or four extensions that that failed because after an update for some reason.
2: That's a pretty low failure rate there for given how yeah. many updates and extensions there have yeah.
0: been in play there. Yeah. yeah. Sure. And and I think a lot of it is because of that the idea of able hey, to make be... sure that before something is, is released that it's stable.
1: There must be yeah. some plugins that you have, like the more complex ones that you must test a little bit, like like oh, of the soft, the software add-on, and there's probably like well, others. I mean, a lot,
0: a lot of the core ones that we use, like I use them day to day on the econ on the edu store itself, and on my on my personal store, and some other stores, and so they're getting they're getting tested every single day. Right. Um, the, I think the ones for for this particular discussion are more like the popular ones that we don't use, but we still want to test them before release. Right. Um, but most of most of the the really popular ones that we'd have to worry about those are being constantly developed anyway. So that, I mean, that is our testing phase. Yeah. All right. Cool. So speaking of uh, plugins and updates,
2: I wanted to get y'all's opinion on something real quick. I don't know if y'all have, uh, were involved in this kind of Twitter uh, stream going back and forth yesterday. So y'all are all familiar with the advanced custom fields plugin, correct? Yes. Yep. So I use that on a good fair number of my sites, and on many of those sites, I use some of the the premium add-ons, which are like the repeater field, the gallery field, the options page field, and a few other things. So um, Elliot, the the developer, is a great guy. Um, all his updates and stuff, for the most part, usually typically pretty solid and well-tested, has been working on a new version 5.0, which is right now in beta and gonna have uh, Bunch of some speed improvements and things are done with AJAX to not, you know, bring down the your site if you're using a select box that has a thousand posts and stuff like that. So, the overall it's going to be, you know, it looks to be a good update. The problem being is, at least as of you know, a few days ago, is the way he was thinking about handling the upgrade. So, the way it is now is 4.0, uh, the 4.0 release. You can just download off org. And then you go to the Advanced Customs Field site. You purchase your paid add-ons, and then you know you just activate those separately on on your site, and everything just works. Well, what he's going to do now with 5.0 is basically have a Pro release. So you have a light version that's going to be on .org, and then you have a Pro version that you install, put in a serial, activate, and it just has all of the add-ons in it already. So there's not any of this, you know, going. In- and managing two different things, sure, so sure. the the issue with this um, is his upgrade path that he was thinking about doing, and I'm I'm hoping he's going to reconsider. And it sounds like he might. Is so when 5.0 hits, and you know your users are going to go in and be like, oh yeah, update, update. Well, it's going to update to 5.0 white, uh, and so you're going to lose your premium add-ons until you Ooh. you know that you need to go in there and put in the serial key and activate the pro version to basically get the new versions of the add-on
1: back which you know hmm. my clients right. won't do so basically oh, you know it's going to be I, awkward, I know why I he's doing I know why he's doing that too I know why because you can't he won't be he wants to get his pro code out of the .org repo right yeah and so updating Updating the .org plugin is—that's really the only way that it's going to be able to do that. Um, I—I can't—I can't even think off the top of my head how he would go about it any other way. Like, what—what was—what's the alternative?
0: Yeah, I guess the—the sh- the shitty thing is like it seems, it—it's a crappy situation to be in because you can say, well, this is the model that for whatever reason it needs to go to in the, for the future. How yeah. do we get people to that model? Um, I don't have an answer for that. But that yeah. for for people like you and and other people that are managing client sites, that's pretty crappy for sure. Oh yeah,
2: I mean like me and uh, Bill Erickson and Travis Northcutt and some other people were talking about it. And like I mean, we just flat out be screwed, right? Like I mean, three of us combined probably have hundreds of sites using that plugin, most of which are using the premium add-ons. And so for when that update hits, you know, all the clients are just gonna go in and hit update, and not really. Know any better, and then all of a sudden, uh, core functionality that you know, like the repeater field or the gallery field, just breaks, and they don't know that. Like, well, shit, I should have bought a pro version, and I should have gone and put in that license first. And so,
1: yeah, I, it's going to. Be- I guess my argument there would be like, should clients be updating plugins anyway? Because like, they, shit could break anyway. My, personally, I think they should be. Uh, should be. but that I think that's a different discussion. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So
0: from a from a from a product manager's perspective, uh, a couple things. Number one, I think I think any decision that is going to for cause 50, 90, 20% of your user base to break is a problem. A decision, right? No matter, no matter what the goal is to get to, I think that's a problem. And yeah. there has to be a better way around it. I don't know what the answer is to, for how to get around it. I'm not super familiar with the plugin or, or how that ecosystem has worked. But I think cho- with, a, with a commercial product, choosing an upgrade path that results in major failure is wrong, regard- regardless of what the reason is. Uh, and the only, re- only time I think that should be acceptable is if that is the only option. Um, I, I don't know what the answer is for how, to, how to, for him to move his users over to the new system. Yeah. Um, mm. I kind of like what Mike Jolly did with uh-huh. download monitor. What was what so, did, how did you do that? Okay, so he had he had an old version of the plugin that he he'd worked on for like 3 or 4 years and it had a lot of legacy code uh, and he he rewrote it from the ground up. The problem mm-hmm. is that the new version simply did not work with the existing version. And so anybody that upgraded it would just break. Uh-huh. And so what he did is he said, "Okay, I'm going to re-release this. It's the same plugin, but I'm going to re-release it" and in such a way that I don't break any existing sites. Instead, I'm only going to release it such that new users get the new system. If somebody wants to migrate from the old one to the new one, they still can because we're going to provide them an upgrade method, but it's not going to be through the automatic update. Uh-huh. And so what he did is he had version like 4.5 was his current version. And when he re-released it, he changed his version back to 1.0. Oh, that's and smart. so this is 1.0 that's really 5.0. But the cool thing that it did is it prevented anybody from auto-updating because WordPress will always say, oh, well, this is a lower version, so you can't update. So it allowed new users to install the brand-new plugin that's been rewritten from the ground up but didn't break any existing sites unless somebody went in there and manually said, let's install this.
2: So what was his policy with the 4.0 version? Did he basically say, look, this version's... You know, it's going to work, but obviously development's discontinuing. Yeah, were...
0: development's discontinued. There's no support for it, things like that. Yeah. Would,
1: wouldn't, he that overwriting? All... wouldn't he be overriding? Wouldn't he be overriding, like, version 1.0, though? Yeah. Like, if, if someone wanted to yeah, go but, back and get it? Yeah, it, but, I mean, if you think about it, if
0: you have three years of history or two years, whatever it is, Right. Re- overriding 1.0. The only problem with it, really, is for historical sake. I mean, no one's yeah. going to go back to install 1.0 when you've gone through 50 versions,
1: yeah, and you could still dig it out of version control. Sure, and I'm sure he
0: kept it somewhere. He probably has it tagged. Yeah, but but the point is that he, he introduced this new version for all new users. The same, the plugin maintained all of its download stats on WordPress.org. Same URL, same everything. But he didn't break any existing sites via the automatic install.
1: That's a good. That's a good solution.
0: I
2: like yeah, that. I agree. I think that was a
0: that's a nifty workaround for sure. Yeah, we yeah. actually he uh we had a. Skype conversation on how to do it before he did the release because he was worried about the exact same problem. Because he has half a million downloads on the plugin. And was like, I don't want to break everybody. It's going to be a nightmare. And so that was the solution that we came up with for him to do. And I think it it worked well. There were still a bunch of users that were pissed off because they did. They are like, oh hey, there's a new version. I'm going to install it. And didn't realize that their, the, all of their downloads that they had created would be incompatible and things like that, but it was still those users that chose to manually install the update.
2: Huh, so did he? was there any sort of add-on or anything that migrated, or you are pretty much yes. just stuck with...
0: No, he, he created a, a legacy migration tool. Oh, okay. Well, I'm actually going to test that out on my site sometime soon, because I've been using Download Monitor for two years, something like that, and I've got a bunch of downloads in there that I want to migrate, I just haven't done it because it takes time.
2: Yeah, hmm. I think when these problems come up, that it really gives you um, kind of a sense of appreciation, right, for some of the the massive plugins like Gravity Forms, or, I don't know, Backup Buddy, or anything like that, that, you know, you know these problems have probably come up, but luckily, we just don't really ever see them as an end user, so. Yeah. Well, and I
0: think if you've done things right, you don't see them. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah.
0: Oh, honestly, I, I understand that there are some problems that you have to find a way to get around, and that, I mean, if you have to change an API, you have to change an API. But I have never been convinced that the solution that results in thousands of sites breaking is ever the right solution.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: I think you're right. I don't I, care what your end goal is. Yeah,
2: especially I, when you're taking money from these people, the sites is going to break.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't like to point fingers, but now this is kind of, now in this case, we were just talking about Mike and how we handle Download Monitor. I think, my personal opinion is like, when WooCommerce 2.0 came out, and they broke all the payment gateways, Oh yeah. honestly, I think they made a mistake. Because it broke tons of sites. Now I understand that they need to introduce that new API because maybe the old one was crappy or it had a limitation. But the point is that still resulted in massive breakage, and for that reason alone, something wasn't done the way it probably should have been.
1: Yeah,
0: I agree with that. Um, and I, I think that, I think WordPress core is a nice indication of of that as well. In that over ten years there hasn't been that massive breakage because of an a- I- API change, uh, yeah. and that's part of the reason why we have so much legacy code too, because backwards compatibility is a big deal.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, anyway. so well, I'm really looking forward to chatting some more with both of you at WordCamp Miami in like yeah. two two weeks. Two now. weeks. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's gonna be great. Yeah,
0: <laughs> there's gonna be a there's gonna be a lot of people there for sure. So uh, it's May uh, May, May 9th.
1: Or, uh, yeah, May 9th to the 11th. That's when when it is, so two weeks. Yeah, and the the
0: attending list is looking awesome, so I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, It looks like it's
2: probably the biggest one of the year short of San Francisco,
0: right? Mm -hmm. It'll definitely be close to it. Uh, Jared, you're speaking there as well, aren't you?
2: Yes, I am giving uh, BB Press 101 at the Buddy Camp, which is
0: Friday. That's fantastic. Yeah, if anybody wants to go learn about... Buddy Press, sorry, BB Press, and what it is, or but or Buddy Press, or Buddy I mean, Press, it's, yeah. It's really the BB Camp. Yeah, uh, that'll be a great place to go. Cool. So, Jared, you're obviously well qualified to give that one-on-one talk. So, yeah, I'll be I here. am.
2: I don't think I'll have too much of a
1: problem with that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, Brad, you want to wrap us up?
1: Yeah. Well, thanks, everybody, and uh, catch you next time. Yeah, it's been fun, and thanks, all Jared, for coming up. No problem. Y'all have a good one. Thanks, Jared.